This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Bank of America. Now here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, do you have a house that you love yet still needs some care and feeding? Well, then you have a Money Pit just like us. And we are here to help you spend as little money as possible on taking care of that house. So whether it's a fix-up, a renovation, a decor project, we would love to help you get that job done. Help yourself first. Pick up the phone and give us a call right now with those questions at one eight 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 Money Pit. Or you can post your questions at MoneyPit.com. Coming up on today's show, decorating is a very fun and important step to make your house feel like home. But there are dozens of decor styles to choose from. And farmhouse decor is one that is shooting to the top. It's more popular than ever. So we're going to help you get started with some ideas for eco-friendly farmhouse fix-ups. And also ahead, is your family growing? Well, before you hear the pitter-patter of little feet, it's smart to make sure that your home sweet home is safe as can be. We've got everything that you need to know about baby-proofing your money pit coming up. And while many young adults are returning home to save money, a basement may be a good choice for a bedroom and a bit of privacy. But building codes demand some very special treatment of space like that if you're going to sleep in it. So we're going to sort out these to see if it makes sense for you. But first, we want to hear what you are working on, whether you're dealing with a repair or you're dreaming about a renovation. We are here to help. That's right. So you can consider us your coach, your helper, or your home improvement therapist. If you've got a question about remodeling or decor or fix-up, you're in the right place. Give us a call right now, and we will help. That number is one eight 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 Money Pit, or post your questions at MoneyPit.com. Leslie, let's get to it. Who's first? Dreama in West Virginia is on the line and could be dealing with a structural issue. Tell us what's going on at your Money Pit. Um, yes, I purchased a house about 13 years ago, and the house is approximately 30 years old. And all of a sudden, last year, I, in the load-bearing center wall, I started getting a crack. And now within a year, that crack has gapped approximately a half an inch wide. And it's also, I noticed, another room has a crack now. So I had a um, local handyman look at it, and he suggested that I put in three uh, piers, columns, to support the center wall. And I guess my question is, I haven't had an official large construction company look at it yet. I'm getting ready to do that. But I wanted to educate myself a little bit more. What would you all suggest? How long have you been in this house? 13 years. And this is new? Just started about a year ago. So here's the thing. If you, if you call a contractor, you're going to get a contractor solution, which is to hire them to do something. What I would suggest you do first is to get an independent expert opinion, not necessarily 
an opinion from a contractor. So your options on that are, are two. Um, one is low cost. One, I would say, is moderate cost. The low cost option would be to find a local professional home inspector. You can go to the website for the American Society of Home Inspectors. That's at ASHI.org, A-S-H-I.org. And okay. you can put in your zip code. They'll shoot back a list of certified professional home inspectors in your area. You can call through that list, find somebody that's experienced, and have them look at it because they're just there to find out what's going on and what caused it and uh, and what's going to take to fix it. The second way to go, which is the moderate cost, is to actually hire a structural engineer. Now, why may you want to do that, Dreama? Well, you might want to do that if this is a fairly obvious problem. You want to certainly preserve the value of your house. And if you have a structural engineer look at it and write a report as to what's going on and what it's going to take to fix it, and then you actually give that report to a contractor and say, this is what I want you to do, and then you have the engineer sort of recertify that it was done correctly. It's kind of having like having a pedigree that the repair is uh, is done correctly and it can kind of sell with your house, so to speak. Problem with contractors is that they're not structural engineers. They're just handy guys, and they think that they have the expertise to fix stuff like this, and they just don't. They don't have the schooling. They don't have the education. They don't have the training. And so, you know, that's not necessarily the best way to go about dealing with a situation like this. I am a little concerned that it happened over this past year because it sounds like it's active, and we want to get to the bottom of of why it's active and why it's showing up all of a sudden. Well, someone had mentioned that it's a possibility we've had a lot of uh, dry, dry, several dry summers, and because that that could cause a settling in the foundation. Is that possible? I've never heard of that before. Um, No, I mean, there are some uh, expansive soils that behave differently when they dry out a lot. But listen, there's going to be a lot of opinions. Every neighbor you ask is going to have a different one. What we're trying to do is move you towards an expert opinion so you really know what you're dealing with. So as I said, contact a professional home inspector or a structural engineer. Get the assessment. It's well worth it. You know, your home is a big investment. We want to make sure it's protected, okay? I hadn't thought of a home inspector. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Dreama. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Kevin in Texas is dealing with a dangerous situation. You've got water leaking through a light in your kitchen? I actually live in an apartment, but nevertheless, my concerns are, you know, obviously, you know, valid uh, Mm -hmm. for my health and so forth. All of a sudden, water started coming through the light fixture in the kitchen, and uh, I threw down buckets and went up and knocked on the gentleman upstairs' uh, door and turned out his washing machine had gone crazy and had... Uh, put a bunch of water in my ceiling that most of which came right through the light fixture, point of least resistance. However, I can tell that it got into the rest of the ceiling. There's a place where this living room is bowed in, you know, with a stain, so I know that they got wet up inside there. And furthermore, the guy, uh, when he was made aware of it, apparently thought that it wouldn't act up anymore and actually turned on his washing machine again and went and stepped into the shower, and so it just, you know, leaked profusely until we could finally get his attention, me oh and me in maintenance. You know, I mean, we're sitting there with shop back buckets and mops and just shaking our heads. Wow. So it was a one-time event, so it wasn't <laughs> an ongoing leak. And I was wondering what my risks are of black mold. Is there a test? Is there a preventative? You know, what is, what's the story with that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, but here's the good news. A single leak like that that happened and then dried out is not going to become an ongoing mold problem. If it stays wet for a long, long time, and especially if it's in an unheated place, it's more likely to become a mold problem. But a single leak like that is not. Um, and also one more point, and that is you mentioned that your ceiling bowed. 
if, and I hope it doesn't, but if that ever happens to you again, what you want to do is somewhat counterintuitive, but that is to poke a hole in the ceiling wherever you see that water starting to form. Because right. it's easier to fix a hole than it is to replace the entire ceiling, which is probably what will end up having to be done. But when you see water coming through like that, uh, what you should do is grab a screwdriver and just poke a couple of holes until you find the spot where the water just starts dripping out. The quicker you can right. empty that ceiling of water, the better off uh, you're going to be. And, you know, we had a problem like that not too long ago because of a piece of flashing that blew off our roof. And the first thing I did was took a Phillips screwdriver and poked three or four holes until I found the right spot. All that water drained right out. And all I had to do was fix those holes and didn't even have a stain on the ceiling when we were done. Wow. Yeah, that's good advice there. Uh, I guess I should have thought of that. But, you know, when you're renting, you're... Uh, yeah, you don't know. And that's, do why that. I always, that's why I always <laughs> take the opportunity to mention it. Because it's, it's first of all, you don't have the experience because thankfully people don't get these kinds of leaks. Um, but mm-hmm. secondly, it's very counterintuitive because, you know, you don't want to damage your ceiling. Well, it's already damaged once that water's behind it. And it's going to get a lot worse really fast unless you poke a hole in it. Good point, though. Good point. All right. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Renee in Texas, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Yes, mine is kind of like a double question. I have a uh, about a 30-year-old connected on both sides townhome, two levels. Okay. okay. And I heard a crack uh, a couple months back where you know it's one of the support beams, and it just like a big strong branch just cracked. Huh. Did you actually see the, the cracked beam somewhere? No, I didn't see that, but I have begun to have cracks along on that same side of the house. Okay. Um, okay. At, in the corners of the wall. Okay. Down the, uh, the corners where it's breaking apart. But at the same time, I've noticed that the house has become unlevel, and that's a little part because it's all old and it's connected on both sides, but I'm in Texas and we have big droughts, and it kind of shifts a little bit. Okay. My concern is is when I get the support beam fixed and the foundation fixed, I've seen on the DYI shows that suddenly they go back and they look and the house or the chimney has just been trashed. What can I do to to prevent that? What, why do you say it's been trashed? Because it shifted? Right. When they did the... When they, Put in when I've watched the DYI shows, they go and they fix the foundation. The foundation's fine, and of course they shift everything up. And now yeah. there's. That's why you have to be very, very careful when you do anything that changes the angle that the house is sort of settled into. Because if you if you don't, once you bring a foundation up, everything else moves. You know, in a wood house, if you try to straighten a slopey floor, for example, all the wires and the plumbing can get stretched and twisted and so on. So it's you know not just uh, foundations that are of concern. I'm concerned, though, about this crack that you say that you've heard, but you've seen cracks in your walls, but you've not physically seen the structural crack, correct? Correct. All right. Now, you said it's a townhouse. Is there an association that... Yes. Okay. So in an association form of ownership, typically you don't own the structure. So the structure, if the structure was to fail, that's typically the responsibility of the association to address. Is that is that your understanding? Um, I can double check on that. But in a typical condominium form of ownership, what you own is inside walls to inside wall. In some cases, you own the... And then what's the dr- beyond that wall is not... Right. Yours. In some cases, you own the drywall. In some cases, you don't. So, for example, if there was a fire, God forbid, and the whole place burned down, you would be paying for, like, the drywall, the kitchen cabinets, 
the appliances, stuff like that. And the association would be rebuilding everything else, including the related infrastructure. So you need to figure out if there's a structural problem, who's responsible for it. I suspect you're going to find it's the association that's responsible for it, which is good news for you. Uh, And then I would bring that to their attention and ask them to address it. Now, as far as the cracks in the corners of the wall are concerned, I have to tell you that that's pretty typical. And that by itself doesn't necessarily mean that you have a structural problem. The way to fix that, though, uh, is important. And that is that you want to sand down the drywall in that area. And then you want to add some additional tape. And the type of drywall tape you use would be the perforated type. It looks like a netting. It's like a sticky netting. You put that on and then you spackle through that three coats one, two, three coats, each one thin, but three coats. And that type and allowing each one to dry and be sanded in between. Yeah, and that type of repair typically will last. Now, after you do the spackle repair, you'll have to prime the wall. You can't just paint on top of it. You'll have to prime it and then paint it. So I would address the structure with the association. I would fix the cracks on your own and then see what happens. Okay. Um, so just one more question. Let's say that if it's not in association that I do have to go into it, not only am I concerned about my roof, but how much of a problem will I have with my neighbors on both sides of me? Depends on where the crack is, if it exists at all. If that's, if that's the case, then I would suggest you hire a professional home inspector and have the inspector do what's called a partial inspection, which is usually a single-item inspection, and investigate this crack and see what's going on in the structure, and then we'll know um, how you know far it's gone and what needs to be done about it. Yeah, that's cool. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring, we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. 
Well, if you like the look of a farmhouse decor, wood is definitely a key component of the farmhouse aesthetic. Now, you might think that all wood is eco-friendly since it's a naturally occurring resource. Actually, only specific types of wood meet eco-friendly requirements. So first, let's talk about reclaimed wood because it's one of the most eco-friendliest materials out there. Technically, reclaimed wood can be any type of wood, but what makes it eco-friendly is the fact that it's salvaged from a previous project. Now, if the wood has been used before and you use it again for a different project, then you can classify that wood as reclaimed. Now, pine wood from a demolished building and driftwood from the ocean, those are both examples of reclaimed lumber. Now, there's also a label that you can check for. Wood that's stamped by the Forest Stewardship Council, or FSC, is more commonly used in home construction than in decoration, but it can still be used in decor. For example, FSC wood is great for building furniture or other fixtures that need to be really sturdy. That designation of FSC wood means that the manufacturer has followed sustainability practices like not using pesticides and preserving the natural habitats. And finally, if you're looking to add a deck, porch, or outdoor furniture to your farmhouse, teak wood is the eco-friendly choice. Now, teak has long been used for outdoor projects due to its durability. And naturally, teak has a high oil content, and that makes it rot-resistant and super durable. And it's absolutely a beautiful, beautiful surface, especially for a deck tacked onto the back of your farmhouse-styled home. Mark in Florida, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Well, I am going to be putting down an engineered hardwood floor. Okay. And I've got the manufacturer's instructions, and I'm going to tell you, the tolerances for the floor are really tight. They want the floor, this is a plywood subfloor, off-grade house, they want the floor to be no more than three-sixteenths of an inch over ten feet or an eighth of an inch over six feet deflection. I haven't seen a house yet that has that little deflection, right? <laughs> I know, exactly, yes. Anyway, my question is, uh, I've taken a 10-foot 2x8 and okay. confirmed it was straight and put it over the floor, and I've got a Sharpie, and I'm kind of marking off what is within tolerance, and there are some sections that there are what's not in tolerance. So my question to you is, how do you meet that specification that they call out for. Uh, for instance, some of the some of the low-bearing walls, you can see where the, the subfloor is actually dipped down from the weight of the home. The house is about 23 years old. And I'm just wondering, how do you meet that? It's, uh, it's extremely tight. How close are you, Mark? Um, it depends. Uh, some of the areas, uh, we're talking probably half, maybe a half inch in some of the bad places. Um, okay, so what you want to do, do in those areas is you're going to fill in with a floor leveling compound. You don't have to do the entire floor, but if you have the huh? areas that are really down, you can fill those in. The thing here is you want it to be reasonably flat, and the reason it wants to be reasonably flat is because with an engineered hardwood floor, the panels lock together. You know, I've got an 1886 house. And I put in uh, laminate floor when it sort of first came on the market. And this is similar to the engineered hardwood floor, um, except that when laminate floor first came on, you had to glue it together. It didn't lock together. And so I was able to glue this together. It actually worked in my favor because by gluing it together, it had a lot more ability to stretch and bend and twist over my very roly-poly floors. But if you're just going to rely on the joint of the hardwood floor to lock together, then you can't really stress it that much. If you try to twist it, it could crack or pop up. 
And so what I would do I is I would get floor level and compound. DAP makes one that works very well. It's called Flexible Floor Patch and Leveler. And so if you go to okay. the DAP website at dap.com, D-A-P.com, just uh, search for the Flexible Floor Patch. You'll see a picture of it there. You know exactly what you're looking for. And then there you can order that uh, from, I'm sure, your home center, your hardware store, or find it online. And that's designed specifically to work on wood floors or under wood floors and, and level them out. On subfloors, especially. Okay. Well, great. Thank you very much. I really enjoy your show. Jane Ellen in Pennsylvania is looking at getting some new windows. How can we help you make that decision? Yes. Well, we're looking at getting um, replacing our single-pane windows. And our question is, do you think it would be more cost-effective to spend the extra money on triple-pane windows, or would double-pane windows be okay? Uh, other than the windows, the house is fairly well insulated. It's not real drafty. Uh, we haven't priced our options yet, so we just we're looking for an opinion. I think that double pane windows will be fine. The thing is that when you shop for windows, you have all of these different features and benefits that you have to compare and contrast, and sometimes it gets very confusing when you do that. What I would look for is a window that's Energy Star rated and one that has double pane glass. As long as the glass is insulated and has like a low E coating so it reflects the heat back, that'll be fine. It's been my experience that unless you live in the most severe climates, triple pane glass doesn't really um, make up the additional cost in terms of return on investment. Wonderful. Thank you so much. What kind of windows do you have now? Are they very drafty? They're, well, they're single pane windows. They're, they're relatively decent windows for single pane, but they're, they're old. They're starting to, you can see the gas is starting to escape from them, and they are a little drafty. We're our house has a field behind it. Our backyard kind of opens up into a field. So there's a significant amount of wind that comes across the field and flows into the back of the house. And um, off the main back area, we have like a three seasons room, which helps to block some of the wind from the interior downstairs. But the upstairs bedrooms, you feel the wind a little bit more significantly. And we notice the single pane windows a little bit more there. It seems more drafty right there. Well, I think these windows are going to make a big difference for you. Now, if you need to save some money and maybe not doing them all at once, that's fine too. What I would do is the north and east sections of the house first, sides of the house first, and then the south and the west second, okay? Okay, sounds great. I know given the winter that we've all had in the northeast and pretty much all over the United States, you might think that a triple pane glass is going to do the trick, especially when we've had, what, like an average of five degrees time? Yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, the days that we've had like 30 and 40 degree temperatures, like I've put on a light jacket. I've seen families out with no jackets. Like people are out of their minds when we yep. get 40 degree days. I know. We're happy for it, right? It's like summer. <laughs> All right. Well, Jane Ellen, I hope that helps you out. Thanks again for calling us at 888 Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. 
They even have a Wi-Fi connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Well, when it comes to protecting our kids, there is nothing short of a rubber room that can be completely child safe. But with some common sense, you will be able to remove the most worrisome hazards. So first of all, let's talk about your windows. Now, they might look completely harmless, but if your window blinds still have cords, know that they're one of the most dangerous items in your house for babies and young kids. So you want to shorten all long cords and tie them up and away from the reach of those little hands. You can actually Google Window Covering Safety Council, and they've got some info on a free tassel shortening kit that can really save lives. Now, another concern is furniture tipping because kids are climbers. So anybody that thinks shelving is going to be an attractive product, make sure it's secured. We're also talking about bookcases, large TV stands, and other climbable furniture. These all have to be anchored to the wall. And here's something that you wouldn't usually think of as a tipping hazard, but it absolutely is your oven, your range. Because what happens is kids pull that door open, and then they climb on the door, and if that range is not secured, it will tilt over. Now, newer ranges, when you buy them, they have a special uh, device that screws into the floor and then the range slips under it to kind of lock it in place. Oh, it's like a cleat. It's like a cleat. Exactly. It's like a piece of hardware. And so if you don't have that on, your range can actually be very, very tippy. So be careful with that. Yeah, that's really a good point. Now, another thing is squeaky clean sliding doors. That can be huge trouble as well. Kids sometimes will forget that the door is there and then walk or worse, run right into it. And if that glass breaks, serious injury can result. So there's actually some decorative details that you can add to the door, you know, right at the kid's height, right at their eye level. So it kind of always lets them know that the door is there and it's closed. And lastly, you want to make sure you check your stairs and your railings. The railings, uh, in all the years I spent as a building inspector, I used to find these done wrong all the time. They have to be at least 36 inches tall, and they can have no more than a six-inch space between any of the spindles. At the same time, make sure those handrails are in place for all stairs and make sure they have a closed end. The handrails that don't wrap around to the wall can catch like loose sleeves and, and cause a fall by themselves. We've got the complete guide to baby-proofing your home right now online at moneypit.com. Greg in Washington is on the line and wants to heat his home with a wood stove. Tell us about your money pit. Well, sure. Uh, I heat my home with the wood stove, and it's about uh, 10 years old, the stove is, and it's a pretty good quality stove, uh, and it's the main source of heat for my house, but I've been really disappointed in it. The house is drafty, and um, when the fire dies down, the, the house cools down in a hurry. 
Um, and I've had the insulation checked out, so it's well insulated. And I think the problem is the wood stove. Right now, the air intake for the combustion chambers at the bottom of the stove, and so it's taking in room air, and I think that's causing a draft. And I've talked to a lot of our neighbors, uh, you know, where we live, there's lots of wood, so a lot of people heat with wood, and they all say it would make a big difference if I were to hook up the stove to an outside source, I'd be taking, you know, cold air from the outside in. So I went down to our dealer where I bought the stove and basically told me he could sell me what I'm looking for, but I'm going to be disappointed. And his reason is that right now we're taking air into the combustion chamber that's about 60 degrees or so, and if I add the outside intake, I'll be taking air into, let's say, 20 or 30 degrees in temperature, and I'll be spending a lot of um, energy just heating the air from the outside. He recommended not to do it. So the question is, is your opinion this would be worthwhile to do or not? Most modern uh, fireplace and wood stove systems include a combustion air intake. In fact, in in some cases it's required. So I wouldn't necessarily um, take the, v, the, the dealer's advice on this. I know that if you improve energy efficiency, it's always going to improve include a combustion air intake because otherwise you've paid to heat all of that hair air sort of once and now you're going to pay to heat it again because you're taking it up the chimney does that make sense yes sure does yes so if there's a way that you could put a combustion air intake there i would definitely do that because you're right that wood stove will depressurize the house and frankly it's probably pulling more air in from the outside anyway you're probably pulling that cold air in anyway you're just pulling it through all the gaps around your doors and windows and other spaces like that. Right. It's really drafty by the doors and windows. You're right. Yeah, because it's depressurizing. So why not just give it the combustion air and see what happens? Okay, because I've estimated it costs about $600 to do this. and probably means it costs $800 the time I'm done. So I didn't know if they'd really see much difference. I, I think it'll probably make you a lot more comfortable. Okay, I think I'll try that then. While many young adults are returning home to save money, a basement provides other benefits as they transition. For one, basements really give them a sense of privacy for these young adults that they don't find living in the upstairs main part of the house. Now, some basements can even offer all of the advantages of apartment living, but truly at a fraction of the cost. While the lifestyle might not create total living independence, a successful basement remodeling project does help establish an important first step toward that goal. Now, building out a basement living space is not quite as simple as putting together a bed frame, popping a mattress on it, and plugging in the second refrigerator. If you want to stay safe, it's really important that the basement remodeling meet current building codes. And the most critical of that is a way to provide egress, a way to get out in the event of an emergency. Now, a proper egress is not only for the benefit of the occupants, compliance with the standard is also essential for firefighters and other emergency rescue personnel who may need to carry backpacks with gear or oxygen tanks into a basement in the event of a fire. Yeah, and while typical basement windows provide plenty of light and minimal amounts of ventilation, and doors can provide weather resistance and security, specially designed egress window wells or basement doors are available that meet the modern building code standards for that emergency exit. It's really important that these exist. You can't just put a bed down there and call it a day, because if you don't have this egress, it could be very, very dangerous. You're only leaving yourself one way out, and if there's fire and smoke, uh, that's not going to be a very safe situation. 
situation. So having the young adults return home to live with mom and dad back to the nest one more time, it's why we call it the boomerang generation, is fun, but it may not be the most preferable arrangement if the basement is not a safe space. Laura in South Carolina, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? We have a deck on the back of our house that we, about two years ago, put a product on it that makes it like an anti-slip texture. And the coating is starting to chip off in big chunks. So we were thinking about using that deck over or over deck, I think it's called. And when we were at Home Depot, we noticed that they have something else that was an option. They're actually foot-squared tiles. They're like a thick rubber that you actually use glue to adhere onto the deck, and then you cover your deck that way. My concern is if you apply that onto the deck, will that rot the wood? Well, Laura, I'm not familiar with rubber tiles, but there are polypropylene tiles or plastic tiles or composite tiles that are on the market that are designed to cover old decks. And the way these work is they sit on top of the deck boards and they usually lock together. And some of them are quite attractive. There's a product called Cover Deck that comes in dozens of different uh, colors and shapes and designs that could look really neat. And it's not going to be slippery and it's going to look great. I am concerned if you're gluing something down to the wood deck, I agree that something like rubber glued to wood is bound to let some water underneath and it's certainly not going to evaporate. These composite tiles or the plastic tiles usually have a bit of space under them, which allows the wood to breathe and dry out. And really that's the issue. If you hold water against it, you will get decay. So I would take a look at some of the tile products that allow you to cover these decks and probably avoid anything that's that's rubbery that you're going to glue down. Okay, so the glue is okay as long as there's a gap or some sort of gap between the wood. It's okay to cover it as long as there's airspace so it dries out. Okay, perfect. All right, thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. We've got a question here from Kevin who's writing, we have a deck off of our master bedroom. It sits on top of our garage, which is becoming a problem because the deck is constantly leaking into the garage. We've tried adding drains and covered the deck in outdoor tile, but that hasn't helped. Should we just enclose the deck and solve the problem altogether? It seems pretty drastic, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. adding adding drains, okay, but that doesn't stop a leak, and certainly tile's not waterproof, so that's not going to stop a leak. Look, I, I've had a lot of experience with outside decks along the the uh, the eastern shore, and I found that the only thing that really stands up to the driving rain is a fiberglass deck. When all of those old surfaces are pulled apart, and fiberglass is basically used as the waterproof decking material, it can have a grit finish to it, so it's slip resistant even if it gets icy and snowy. Uh, but it absolutely positively doesn't leak. The key is to make sure it goes up and over the door sills. It's going to go into the siding like regular flashing, but up and over the door sills. And it's kind of like if you think about it. It's like a shower pan. I mean, once it's in, it doesn't leak, and it never gonna, it's never going to leak, and you don't have to worry about any maintenance issues after that. Yeah, and then you can still actually enjoy the outside and not just be hiding from it. Well, do you love popcorn? How about popcorn ceilings? One is tasty, the other not so much. <laughs> Leslie's got three ways to make that old decor go away for good in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, if you are tired of the flakes falling onto your face and your food, on your clothing, or maybe you're just grossed out by the dust and dirt that it can collect, 
it's probably time to get rid of your home's popcorn ceilings. Now, there are three ways to do that, but the first step is you have to test it for asbestos. Now, it was used in ceilings until the 1970s, but it has also turned up in homes built even in the 1980s. Now, if the test says you're good to go with your popcorn removal project, there are three options, the wet scrape, the dry scrape, or covering it. Now, wet scrape or dry scrape, they're pretty much the same thing, except that with the wet approach, you spray the surface down with the water first, like from a garden pump sprayer. This is going to keep the dust to a minimum, and it can make it easier to scrape off large chunks of it right off of your ceiling. Now, regardless which scrape method you are choosing, unfortunately, you're not going to be left with a smooth, paint-ready ceiling just by doing all that scraping, since you're very likely going to be left with an uneven surface, with some small dings and some gouges. These are all things you're going to have to fix. At minimum, you're going to want to take a pole sander and hit those rougher spots. Then you need to make sure that you prime and paint the surface using a flat paint and any paint that you put on there with even the slightest sheen, any sort of sheen is just going to highlight any imperfections that might be left by your removal of that popcorn ceiling. So flat is your friend when it comes to an uneven surface. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Now, if you don't want to deal with the mess of the removal, the second most popular approach to removing popcorn ceilings is simply to just cover it. This also won't break the bank since drywall or gypsum boards, whatever you want to call it, a bucket of screws and some drywall mud are only going to cost a couple hundreds of dollars. Depending on the size of the room, option is going to take a little bit more time, but it definitely is a very much a do-it-yourself project. You just need a buddy because those sheets of drywall are kind of heavy. So to be lifting them over your head on your own and trying to adhere them, definitely grab a friend. This is a project you want to going to do with a friend. When it's all done, you can celebrate with a bucket of fresh popped popcorn, too. <laughs> This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming up next time on the program. Filters for your heating and cooling system can help remove allergens because that season is pretty close to almost being here. But there are many, many, many filters to choose from which really do the job. We're going to tell you about a rating system that will let you know the info you need on which filter can keep your air the cleanest on the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.